Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, I'd like to introduce you to Joshua Lynch. Now, this is a really fun conversation. If for no other reason, then we're talking about one of my favorite pieces of software, Substance Designer. But the other thing that I thought was really cool and really powerful was just how environment art has changed, how the job itself has changed. Specifically, if you're watching, if you head over to GameArtInstitute.com where you can actually watch the uh, live demonstration of it you'll see his work from middle earth shadow of war and how he's using substance designer and all these different terrain tools to really build the world itself all right now if you want to be an environment artist make sure you check out the boot camp over at game art institute otherwise let's hop in to the conversation i have uh josh lynch with me and we are live great so uh, we're going to get started here and just see what we can see today. These are part of the informal conversations, but as you can see and, and as you've kind of heard in the lead up to this, um, Josh Lynch has done an amazing uh, amount of work here in substance designer and as an environment artist. And so the goal today is to really just start to understand what an environment artist does at Josh's level. Uh, we can't get into details of his job and all the stuff that happens, you know, like right now in terms of the tech. Companies are always, of course, protective of that. Uh, but we are hopefully going to get in and start to understand a few things about how an environment and an artist, artist operates today, the software, some of the thinking behind it, and then also some of the evolution um, that's happened over the last couple of years. So, Josh, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Awesome. All right. I know I didn't give you a lot to prep with, so don't worry. This is very friendly, very informal. Um, That's cool, man. Yeah, and uh, and we can always edit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Good. Editing is good. Good. So why don't we start off? You just give me give us a sense of of um, who you are and what you do today, and then we'll start to walk that back and we'll and forward and see what we can discover. But uh, uh, what do you do to now? Uh, yeah. So right now I'm a senior texture artist at Red Storm Entertainment. Yep. And for the last few years, I've been in my career primarily focusing on being a texture artist mm -hmm. and Substance Designer is my primary tool. So basically every day at work, I come in and I make textures. I work with environment artists to supply them with what they need. Yeah. And then when I come home, I'm constantly trying to learn new ways of working because Substance Designer is such a uh, really open-ended program. I'm still learning stuff and right. refining my workflow. And uh, in addition to all that, I'm trying to be really active in the community. I have a, a Gumroad page where I uh, sell tutorials and I offer mentorships. So they're uh, monthly mentorships with artists and it's like uh, w dedicated one-on-one -on -one time with me. Mm -hmm. And I really focus in on what the artist needs and I help them grow. Awesome. That's, so that's great. pretty much my every day, every week kind of thing. So what does um, what does a day look like for you in terms of uh, what you do, kind of the type of projects you work on? And by that, I don't mean anything specific. I just mean like, are you working on rocks? Are you working on spaceships? You know, what kind oh, of stuff? Oh, sure. What type of surfaces? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good so, word. So surfaces uh, right there. And that's a, I, sorry to interrupt real quick, but this no, is, that's fine. This is one of those vocabulary terms that we as artists have to understand. So as I'm asking Josh about his, his job, he instantly thinks surfaces. So we know that that's like, that's a vocabulary we have to remember all the time. So sorry, Josh. No, that's totally fine. I'm, I'm actually glad you, you mentioned that to the group. So yeah, I work on a, a variety of surfaces. Uh, in my career, I've worked on both uh, hard surface, which is like a lot of man-made uh, metals, things like that, yeah. and organic textures. Yeah. And so my job is kind of a, a mix of both, um, but it really depends on the project. So uh, like, I'll just kind of reference Call of Duty and, and Shadow of War as examples because I can talk about them freely. So mm -hmm. with Call of Duty, those kind of games are really cool, right? Because you'll have... A, a chance to maybe work on a really organic map that's like a jungle map or you'll work on something that's like a spaceship which is more like i said man-made and hard surface yeah um so like shadow of war was a lot more organic so for that it was like every day i'd come in and we're working on like stone walls bricks dirt mud uh yeah so and, that, and are you doing the modeling or somebody else doing the modeling somebody else primarily does the modeling okay uh, but yeah I've, I've done that before but now my like the the role is just so focused so actually like it's it's a really cool role uh for me because it's you paint with a big brush mm -hmm. right so like what you supply to the world art team it could span one meter or like 30 meters right so it's really cool and i work with uh a lot of the the lighters as well you mean uh, so i have to size make sure wise like one meter or 30 meters you mean in terms of how the the surface might propagate across um in the game right? correct like how much it might tile yeah yeah okay and repeat yeah so uh, yeah and i work with lighters quite a bit mm -hmm. uh like actually like uh texture and material artists and, and lighters really need to collaborate a lot uh i need to make sure that uh all the the texture albedos like their luminance mm -hmm. range is yeah. within check and and you know what the lighters need is is working for them and i also want to make sure that i have a good amount of gloss or roughness information within each surface so when they place their lights they get some play off the surface got it okay so um in that sense uh environment artist is it's it's a lot of things right like a character artist yeah. you, you kind of make characters environment artist is like well you just make everything else yep so um, help, can you help me understand, like, what are the different, how does the position evolve? Because usually most people will come in kind of as a prop artist, right? Correct. And yep. then what's the progression once they've, once they've done that um, for what they do next? Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, like you mentioned, somebody that's more junior or associate level, whatever you want to call it, is going to come in as a prop artist. Mm -hmm. And once they kind of show that they can create you know, a wide variety of props. Uh, it honestly, it depends on their their career path they probably want to take. I think once you get good enough and experienced enough, your lead or your map lead, your overall lead, whatever you want to call it, will yeah. kind of recognize that and say, "Hey, do you want to, you know, branch out and get into world art, or do you want to mm -hmm. kind of continue making props and maybe we'll give you more complex props?" Yeah. But it's a good way. Props are a great way to start because you got to know how to model and unwrap and texture. And you got to like put collision on it and make sure everything works. And it's kind of a good way for you to learn the system. Yeah. Like in your own little area. Right. And then once you do that, you can kind of grow in, like I said, into more complex props or 
uh, go into world art. And so when I say that, I'm talking like, hey, I'm going to give you this this prefab or this chunk of the world and you're responsible for, and it, again, it probably depends on the project, but the terrain painting, the sculpting, the buildings, you know, the set dressing. Yeah. So like putting props around, making things feel lived in and alive, like somebody's been here. Okay. Got it. Can yeah. you, uh, what is a, what does a terrain look like? Like we're at your art station right now. So you've got to create a part of the world. Um, how do you start to, how do you start that process? You mean from a world art perspective or yeah, a texture from a art world perspective? Art. Oh man, um, let me get in here. So I think. Oh great, yeah, we've got your art station. Yeah, I loaded these all up so we could see. Uh, I'm trying to find an area. I actually, so just to be honest, like most of the stuff in here was done by another artist, mm -hmm. and I just am showcasing the textures okay. working here. But um, yeah, I actually kind of really like this shot. So I think this is a a good example. Um, so in this right. case, a lot of this is done in in engine. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not really made in Maya or Max, and yeah. then brought in. It could be, but just in this case, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like all this is just kind of simple geo. But what's working here is the cobblestone and then the puddles blending in and out. So I think um, this is a good example of some terrain. And then let me load up some Middle Earth stuff here. Let me get to the breakdown shots. Yeah, so I really like these. And this is kind of where we can talk about mm. a, a good mix. Yeah, like this is a good shot here. I kind of favor this one. So working on Shadow of War, I worked with, in this particular map, I worked with a really cool guy. His name was Wes. And he did a lot of the terrain painting here. Yeah. And basically what he did was he was in charge of taking all the textures that I created and, and blending them in. And he set up all the mm. the the shader stuff in terms of like the order that they need to be and also yeah. the overall undulation of the terrain like the sculpting okay yeah so how many does that answer your question or it does and actually we can look at this and dive in deeper how many different um surfaces are there in this image that he had to blend oh man well i can tell you that for the terrain here uh we had a good amount uh we had oh man we had like I think for the for this terrain set, yeah. uh, I created I think about sixteen in all. Wow! Like, I don't, and you can see probably sixteen terrain or I uh, surfaces in. This I wouldn't image. say that you could see all sixteen here. Maybe four or five. Okay, got it. But just using that as an example. Um, and so, would yeah, it like, be fair to say that say that the the, um, the gravel or the the sand is where somebody's walking? That's one particular. Um, Terrain. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then, so like this kind of, yep. Go. Oh, sorry. So I was going to say like this kind of is some sand here and then we've got some loose gravel and then we had some undulating rocks mm. and, that's and then this was one. more like totally. And then this is like heavy duty gravel. And then right. we actually had scree, which, so for shadow of war, a big thing was like visual language, mm -hmm. right? So everything was climbable pretty much, but on areas where, you, we didn't want you to get to or you couldn't, we would place big boulders. So a, as you're kind of walking along, yeah, like I think this is a good representation. You can almost feel the path through here, right? Yeah. Like it, it's eye rested, it's smooth. You're like, oh, I can totally run through here, but I can't run. I don't know if you guys can see my cursor or not, but yeah, we can. you can't run up in here. And Joby worked on these bushes. He did a great job. That's great. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're creating, let's say just the, um, just the sand, 
just the the dirt, the path that somebody's walking on. What is your thinking process? How do you go about um, creating that? And I'm I'm yeah, just talking so, high level right now because I know you know in substance. No, totally. No, yeah, yeah. So I think a, a a lot of it is like a big part of environment art is trying to pull the player through the space or yeah. giving them cues that like it it feels good for them to look at and go, oh that that's like somewhere I can go. Yeah. You know, and you want to invite them through that space. So I think when I'm making a path, I don't want it to feel too rocky. I want it to feel maybe like there's some loose sand. You can still walk through that or maybe it's a flattened path. Uh, but you don't want, in the case of a path, like you don't want too many boulders. Okay. But, you know, you you could have a few rocks in there. I don't, I don't see a problem with that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. Let me see. Yeah. I'll try to find another shot maybe that has a different path. Yeah, like you could kind of see here, right? Like it's very smooth. And then we had a water layer and we had, so we had this path right here that's flat. And then we had like a trample foot mud mm -hmm. and then we had the water layer. So that was kind of a good way. So when the light hits it, you can't really see that in this image too well, but when the light hits the water, it, it's very like responsive, right? And you're like, oh, that's cool. And it kind of pulls them through. Nice, okay, I understand. Yeah. Okay, so if we go back to this question of environment arts and what that is, what that is. So first, you said that there was the prop artist. That's a good place for yep. people to start. What do you think is kind of the next thing that somebody goes into, or the next area? Oh, like world art, set dressing. Okay, world art. Um, so I think within world art, there's yeah. surfacing, or which you were talking about. That's kind of your primary thing, right? Yeah. And then the yeah, other so guy who blends. Oh, it. go ahead. Um, what is go the ahead. other I'm guy sorry. who blends it? What does he do? What's his title? How's that work? I th man, it, it really depends on the studio. Yeah. Like sometimes you can have the role be so specific and then other times it's kind of a catch-all and you know within the team that somebody has the strength of train painting and somebody is better at architecture, you okay. know? Yeah. Um, but I th I think that there I have seen roles where your job is really, you're responsible for terrain. Like the the texture blending of the terrain, the sculpting of the geo of the terrain. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And I think uh, as far as, yeah, like world art goes, uh, there's, there's like also the specialty of foliage, right? Mm -hmm. So you could, you could specialize now, you can specialize in texturing. I think you like when you're an environment artist, you kind of have to wear a lot of hats and you got to be a really good game designer. You got to be a really good storyteller. Got it. Okay. So prop artist, then you go into the world art and that's where you get into terrain creation, terrain painting and sculpting. You get into foliage. Yeah. And um, somebody who say is at the senior environment artist level like you are, you could be in terrain painting, you could be in terrain surface creation. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. Like you would, you would probably be expected to handle a variety of things. And then what's the like next building career? architecture and yeah, what's the oh, next man. step for you then? Oh, um, man, I think, you know, like sometimes you can be a senior that like, if it's your first time being a senior, mm -hmm. you're, you're really specific or, uh, focused on content creation. And then there's other seniors that are kind of map leads and they're still in the map, but they're responsible for people on their team. Yeah. And then they're reviewing their work or helping them, making sure everybody's not gated and they're moving moving forward uh, with respect to the direction from their lead and the art director. And they're also, uh, I want to mention this, like I, I, I know I mentioned like being a good game designer, but you should talk to design every day. 
yeah. like playing through the space. And oftentimes, like another thing I want to mention is environment art doesn't always look good for like a while. Like sometimes it's just you're working in block ins, you're you're putting things in the space, you're working from a designer block out, you're trying things out. So it's not really until until uh, the last year and a half, the last year where it starts to get looking good in there. Hmm. And does that, uh, why is that so? Let me just ask and see maybe this. Oh man. Well, a lot of it is like stuff is coming back from outsourcing. A lot of it is you're maybe finding in a lot of ways still what works mm -hmm. gameplay wise totally. okay. or art, art style wise, you know, maybe Light, lighting comes in totally everything. Right. So there's a lot of variables and it really depends on the project. That's great. Well, this actually, but those are all, those are all related. Yeah. Okay, good. So this is actually a really good point to bring up a question that I think a lot of us have, which is um, how, at, at what point, and um, let me see, how do we say this? Uh, at what point do people who are applying for this job, what, at what point do they have to think about environment versus prop? At what point do they need to show you that they can do this entire thing versus they show you, they show you that they can do this, this little thing? Oh man, that's a really good question. I think, you know, what, what's really helpful when I'm looking at a student's portfolio yeah. or just even not even a student, but just somebody else that's maybe been in the industry for a little bit and they're applying for another job, mm -hmm. excuse me, is I want to see kind of how you think about the space. And I'm not saying that, you know, I know everybody's like, especially if you have a current job, it's hard to put together like a really big map. You know, I mean, this map here, like so many people worked on it, right? It's it's hard to pull something like that off at home, but you mm -hmm. could do something like a vignette. Yeah. You call it like a beautiful corner, a vertical slice where I see that you, like even if you took a section like this where you have the terrain and you got some rock meshes and you made some cliff walls, just to see how you want to harmonize all that goes a long way. Mm. I know that uh, right now with textures, and honestly, like I have no problem with presenting textures on a sphere or a cylinder I think that shows off the surface read really well, but what's really helpful is when you can see it all in context. So like a shot in a level, mm -hmm. if you were building like a, a corridor space or an interior, I think even something like that is fine. I, people want to, when they're looking at a portfolio, they want to see how you think, like what, what are you trying to, to do? Are you, are you good at telling stories? Are you good at blending textures? Yeah. You know, totally. are you good at set dressing? Yeah. Yeah. I think those are kind of, some good things that come to mind. And you asked like what's next after a senior world artist. I mm -hmm. mean, there's like lead environment artist, or there's maybe you are tired of environment art and you're like, Hey, I want to try some effects art. I've been doing that at home for a year and you go apply for a different job. I've seen people make the switch from one role to the other. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of people actually get into the industry as environment artists because it's easier. Yeah. And then they work really hard to become good character artists at home, and then they switch to that role. Great, because uh, the character art field is super competitive. Um, yes. But yeah, that's something you know. Or you could even just focus on lighting. Great. Like if you've been doing environment art for like eight years, and you're like, man, I, I always have wanted to try doing lighting, you know. And then you maybe talk to your boss at work, and they have you try some stuff out internally, or you do. Like I mentioned, work at home for a year, work on your portfolio, level, leveling up your lighting skills, and then you apply for a different job. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, cool folks, thing. 
uh, who yeah, are there's the options. Oh, sorry to interrupt. And uh, and then so uh, Josh, I I think um, if you have a moment, if you're willing, it'd be really cool to kind of see what you think, uh, how you set things up inside of Substance, how you might set something up or or help somebody understand how you think about surfacing inside of Substance itself. Okay. Uh, does anybody have a? It's hard for me to see the questions. Does anybody have maybe a specific thing they want to see covered? That's a great question. I can definitely open up Substance and um, plug in a few nodes. Yeah. So, what would we want to see, uh, folks? And uh, I'm going to rack my mind right now to see what it is that somebody has done that they've needed. I can also them. just load up some of my personal work here and, and break it down a bit. You know, that might be the wisest. Uh, although, if you don't mind, some kind of primer in the beginning. So, like, if we were to say five minutes, and all we're talking about is a is is a ground plane that doesn't suck, right? Like, <laughs> like we got to okay. do a ground plane because you know Ryan told us we got to do an environment now, and and so they're putting the props together, and they just need a ground plane that just doesn't suck, that has some some vibrancy to it. Um, okay, yeah, this is like a speed challenge. I see what you're doing to me here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, like I'm just loaded up a, a graph yeah. by like a straight up empty and I'm going to talk about it this way. So I'm going to say that we're making a dirt. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to space these out here. Forgive me. I know this is the boring part. No worries. Don't worry, but don't, I try don't to, worry about this. This is all the stuff that you know, we're all familiar with. It. All right. So I try to group my nodes here in the way that I think about my texture coming together. Okay. Okay. So this is a big thing for me. I wanted to. I'm glad we're talking about this. I wanted to make sure that we're going to kind of get into this here. And I usually work height normal first. Okay. Then roughness or gloss, whatever you're doing, and then color. Uh, the reason is, is I I really think a texture is almost like a character. I think each of them has a unique silhouette. So you should be able to tell kind of what a surface is without any color information. Like if you just put flat gray in there, you should know what asphalt is or brick or mud. Like you should get that feeling, right? So those are the kind of uh, order of operations that I, I think about. And I think for terrain, there's so many um, kind of good nodes. I'll just throw a blend in here and I'm gonna just grab a clouds and I'm gonna grab like a fractal sum base. And I'm, I'm just gonna grab a few things here just to bring in and kind of talk about what we might do with these. So I know you're really big into ZBrush and I watched a lot of your tutorials back in the day. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, man, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's funny though, because I've, I, number one, I haven't taught ZBrush actually in, in quite a while, but um, I was getting into this for the for the environment guys, and I was realizing like back when I was teaching it, ZBrush was very significant, but I think Substance has taken away a huge chunk of what was manual labor back then. Yeah, I think, man, you know, I think you know what's really interesting is that it's almost like if you think about it in this way, Z like when I was in school, ZBrush was the tool to know or to learn to kind of help you get a job. Yeah. I think right now substance is it. Yeah. And I think what we're going to see later is more procedural workflows being viable. So something like learning and knowing Houdini or continuing to know substance along with Houdini. I mean, there's, 
a handful of really successful uh, AAA titles that have recently come out that that really used Houdini uh, extensively. Uh, and I think, you know, what's really cool about it is, well, you just mentioned like the 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 heavy labor, right? So much of what can be automated in a procedural process to get to the artistic end is really nice, right? So if you have a tool that can generate a bunch of your pathing and your trees and your rocks and get you like 80% of the way there, I think there was a there was a really good talk from the Ubisoft Paris guys at uh, about their Wildlands demo. It's it's worth checking out. He I I I know I'm gonna butcher what he says here, but he basically said like 80% of the way done to get to the last 20% that's artistic or something like that. And I was like, oh, that really resonated with me because a lot of what is being an environment artist is a lot of legwork or like quote unquote heavy labor, like the boring stuff. So if we can automate things to get you to the end result where you, you have fun, I think that's good. Yeah, I agree with you. That's actually happening in character art as well. Now, there was this. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they, at one of the Zebra Summit talks, Richard Taylor was talking about how he was working with Saban Howard out of New York um, on this massive monument, like this huge figurative monument, the size of it, which I don't think has been actually done for probably a hundred years, and um, and they're using ZBrush and they're using. You know, oh. uh, all basically people to go in and do it so that Sabin can go in and do the last 20%. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Cool. All right, so walk me through what you've done here. So the, you said the first thing you do yep. is you think height. The second thing I you do. do is normal, and then you think roughness, and then color. Was that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, and AO is can kind of come in early on. I forgot to mention that. AO can come in uh, early as well. Um, okay. So I actually think about this stuff the way I would think about when I was sculpting in ZBrush like a plane. Mm -hmm. I think about my plane is at mid-gray and then I kind of go up or down to get undulation. I don't start at the bottom and then work up or at the top and then subtract. I kind of work in the middle and I feel like that works the best. And I try to, when I'm making any kind of terrain, I try to keep it really loose. I don't try to, it's not like when you make brick and you're like, okay, I got a pattern of like four by eight. You know, and I got to stick with that. It's rigid. I got to get this done. Um, and th this is real loose. Obvious, I want to say, obviously, like, you should not just start this and go, hey, I'm making a terrain and I don't know what my ref is. <laughs> like, you should go out and have, like, reference and goals and, you know, what you want to do. But I'll throw a couple of noises in here and I'll set them to overlay. And, you know, the reason I do that is if I set it to add sub, I start to, I, what I call, like, peak or cap out mm -hmm. I go to pure white or I go to black so I just kind of keep it at, at overlay and I get a little bit of you know variation in here and then I use a histogram range to flatten it out okay right so I I like to get a little bit of movement and then I'll flatten it out uh, and then here actually I, I kind of got ahead of my myself here so what I do is I'll use a normal node and I will you know, set this to something like 10. I think that's fair for now. Okay. And I want to mention, uh, you don't want to ever do something like this, right? Where you, you, you know that uh, Matt Cap and ZBrush where it's like yeah. the normal one yeah. where you don't want to use that one. You want to download the good one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to use this one, right? Or have your strength so high that it looks like that. Like you want to kind of keep it you want a little bit of info in there. I, I generally stick between like four and 16, depending on the surface. So like if I'm doing like a cloth or something, I'll mm -hmm. go a little softer. Okay. But I think 10 is a good, a good thing, you know, to start with. And then I'm going to go ahead and 
hook up my height and I'm going to go ahead and hook up my normal and I'm going to say view outputs in 3D kind of oh yes Nvidia so I set our file to be metal roughness so I'm going to go ahead and set our shader in here in definition metal rough tessellation I'll just kind of leave that up there for the folks at, at home watching later okay and I'll go ahead and do tessellation factor <clears throat> excuse me up to 64 and really this should not be any kind of taxing thing on your machine. It's not like Marmoset where it gets a little bit taxing. And then another thing I want to mention, I, I work with my scale at one. And I, I find that like when you're when you have your scale at one, you're seeing the full range of what your height map is gonna do. Okay. And you'll notice that all of this is black and black and shiny. So I'm gonna go ahead and just drop in a couple of uniform colors here for our roughness. I'm gonna switch it to grayscale and I'm gonna just take it up. So I'm going for a more matte look. Mm -hmm. And then for my color, uh, one thing that's important to mention is, you know, gray in terms of um, PBR is not 128. It's actually like 186. So what I'm going to do is kind of set this up here. So we kind of get that. And and you could go like down here. I just kind of like the, the brighter look, I guess, when I'm working. And uh, for AO, let's go ahead and get that going. So I'm going to, you know, bring this in. And by default, this is set to one and 0.1. And we just kind of want to go ahead and knock that back, something like that. And I'm going to add an output node, hook this up. And I have to, in order for us to get the AO to show up, I have to add the output node. So I'm going to go ahead and say ambient occlusion. And then I'm going to right click on this guy, view in 3D view and say AO. So if I were to crank this up, we should see a lot of really dark shadowing going on. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, let's pause right there. <laughs> how, are, how are you guys' brains right. doing? Um, yeah, sorry if I kind of went too fast or no, anything. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's just that substance is very much, it's like that's the Houdini of texturing. Um, yep. It's definitely the, the one with the Yeah, mouse. we can pause and see if anybody has any questions about what I'm doing, if yeah. you want to do that. Any questions right now? So I saw all the questions you guys had to ask. I see those, and I will get those. But... Um, uh, any questions on where you're at right now? And you know the drill, just give a yes, no. That way I'm not wondering. If you have a question, just write yes, and then I know to pause for your question. If you're in the studio um, and you're watching this, you'll ha we'll, um, we'll have to get yours later because there's a delay. Okay. Uh, it looks right. like they're all no, so I'll go ahead and keep going. Yep. Yeah. All absolutely. right. And you, like, interject at any time, Ryan, if you you know, have a question about what I'm doing at all, feel free. Cool. Yeah, I was going to so, ask because you now there's this other tangent that you have off to the side that you're working on right now. Um, so where's all of this going again? Yeah, so I, uh, when I started, I just dropped in some nodes that I knew I was going to want to show you guys. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to get here first and okay. then start introducing these things. So uh, sorry if that's confusing no, to no, drop no. these in here, but um, yeah, so... I really like, I really like the grunges that come uh, with substance. I think they're really good, and oftentimes, like it can kind of get you uh, where you want to go really quickly, right? And so this guy here, if we blur it, like that looks like some terrain undulation, right? Like mm -hmm. in a height map. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna go ahead and just leave that like that, and I'm gonna, I always kind of turn the quality to one. Um, I think on something like this, it doesn't really. It's not going to really show up, but it's just something I do. 
And then I'm going to set this to overlay. And you use blend and, modes a lot, um, right? Oh, yeah. You got to, you got to, yeah, that's the name of the game. Anytime you do something, you got to add a blend. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to just kind of go something like that. And I'm just trying to think about the shapes here. And I'll hit spacebar to get some tiling going. And, and at this point, like if I'm making a surface like this, like a terrain, and I'm making like whatever it is, a mud or a dirt, I'm going to try to get it in the, the game early and often and see how it feels next to a character. Like I'm not going to wait until I add all my rocks or my plants and get it looking pretty before I bring it in. I bring it in like when it's ugly, mm -hmm. like early and ugly, you know? <laughs> so like, I think that that's, um, that's something that I want to make sure to mention. And what we're going to do is I'm going to hold shift and click and drag. And this is going to kind of grab this web or this connection point. And I'm going to drag it up here to this blend. And that's going to connect my output or connect every, yeah, connect everything to the output of the blend. Okay. All right. So and if, I'm gonna... if we were to walk through the thinking, the first thing you do is you, you get some noise on there. Um, and yeah. the noise is going into a blend, uh, a blend. The blend is then going into like a, there's a Photoshop filter, high pass, like that, um, oh, yeah. that does something yep. like it's this. Like thing. That. It's kind of like that. Yep. yep. Okay. So really, the, um, so, yeah, let me just go ahead. Man. Going with this yeah. Yeah. Sure I understand. So you've got the yep. noise. Um, and really what you're doing here, if I understand it correctly, is you're separating the noise blends from the grunge blends and then blending those in. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually didn't think about it like that, but in this case, that's what I'm doing. Okay. But there's no reason that I couldn't plug this one in it, or there Yeah. at any point. But no, that, that is actually what I'm doing. Okay, yep. and, and I would assume that one of the things that might be useful for people doing that is noise is pretty understandable, so you get like a basic... Um, a basic level of dirt out of it. And then when you right. go into the grunge, the grunge has a higher contrast in its, um, and it's probably designed for more of that. So you're getting more of your bumps in it. Yeah, man. I think that's a great way to think about it because I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, Hey, I, I like the islands in here. I like the negative space, the mid ground and the, and the peaks. And mm -hmm. I know that just from experience, if I blur that, I'm going to get something that's going to give me a good amount of undulation. Okay. Got it. So it's like high frequency, midi, midi, medium frequency, but you know, not as clear cut as that. Yeah, I mean, I I will always, anytime I'm talking to somebody about this stuff, I always say work macro to micro. Yeah. But like I, I'm just trying to get stuff blocked in at this point. Um, I would definitely recommend to do your finer noise at the end. Got it. Things like the micro level of of the dirt or whatever. I did want to mention. Um, in the histogram range here when I'm dragging this, basically what we're doing, if I leave this at 0.5, is I'm taking the le the levels, uh, little triangles here, and I'm dragging them in. It's basically like at the same time. So instead of like having to drag two sliders, I can just drag one. So this is the full range of what it was, and then I go to gray. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. And then I'm going to do a similar thing here with this grunge. And I'm just duplicating Control-D on this blur. And actually, let's go ahead and just hook this up the way that it is. And we'll see that, yeah, so it's like really spiking out here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to 
I'm going to just blur it just a little bit just to soften that up. And we still have, we still have quite a bit. There we go. Yeah. So something like that. And then I think that, you know, uh, if I do overlay, I think something like that is good. And again, I'm looking for just variety here. And I kind of mentioned like silhouette. I know that it's not an actual silhouette, but I'm looking at the forms here, right? Like I have this, if I kind of zoom out, I can see that this is a, an island. And then I got a secondary island, secondary here. Mm -hmm. And at any point, I can drag random seed over and I can change all this up. Nice. Okay. So I can drag this one. And, you know, random seed for those who don't or aren't entirely sure is um, all of these are procedural. So they're all built on numbers. And Random seed is just resetting the equation so that you know, it's just going to have a slightly different number to it. You see the same thing inside of uh, ZBrush in, uh, in nano mags like that. Yeah. like, And the thing that's cool is it's going to keep, like if I kind of zoom in here, it's going to keep the same shape or noise language. It's just going to distribute it differently. Mm -hmm. So I, I just to kind of add to what you just explained really well is that if I'm dragging this around, I'm not necessarily changing the look, but just the layout. Nice. That's a great way to say it. Not the look, but the layout. Yeah. But I think what you could see here now is, like, again, I'm not working from any ref, but if if I were to guess, I would say that this is a mud that's starting to to dry mm -hmm. just by the, the the feel I get from the height and the normal. And I, I know I mentioned height and the normal, but what I, I want to talk to you guys about is if I have this on... Obviously, you know, it's cool to see actual undulation, but we want to make sure that what we see here holds up without the height map displacing the terrain. We want to see that it holds up with the normal map carrying the weight. And I think that, I think that we're seeing that it does. Yeah, so like if I change this, I shouldn't necessarily see a drastic difference. And where I might see that is if I had my normal map strength set to like one, but then I come in here and I took take the displacement up. You can see that it's really pushing it up, but I'm not getting any shadow, mm. right? I'm not getting any information from like the normal map. So I, I hope that that's clear. I think that's that that's something that when I first started using Substance, I did not pay attention to at all. I was just trying to get it to do stuff, <laughs> like to get it to work, you know? Yeah, And, and so like over, over time, this has kind of been what I, I look at. Okay, so if you have no normal map, or if the normal map is just, you know, not, if you're not paying attention to it, then you almost can't even see what you're doing. Yeah, like if I disconnect it. Yeah, it's gone. And if I don't have, like, the AO on, I got nothing. Yeah, okay, so it's, it's so height, normal, AO, roughness, color. Yep. Got it. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I know we don't have a lot of time here, but I think that's kind of like, when I'm making any terrain, I just start off that way. I try to keep it... Really, I honestly try to enjoy myself at, at this stage because, like I said, if I'm making a brick, it's like there's a specific pattern. But here, I can kind of come up with whatever I want, and I try to have a lot of fun that way. Yeah. And again, I get it into the game early and often to feel how it how it is next to a character and check for tiling and repetition. So, if along those lines, um, just maybe if we can have an end to end, I don't know how hard it is to export stuff, but is that something you could demonstrate or or point us in the right direction? I don't have anything set up that we could look at that right now. 
if we were to export we, this, I mean, like, and just for kind of the thinking process, really, um, because I know in substance sometimes things are exporting can be kind of difficult. Like Substance Painter, for example, it's not so easy to get those maps. Oh, I think I, I maybe I misunderstood you. So uh, when I export, you can set up the ex uh, using the export tools up here, but mm -hmm. I just I just come in here and yep. I hit save. So you go right into height and you just export directly. Yeah, or if you had like a Photoshop document that you were feeding into Engine, yeah. you can copy to clipboard here and paste. Okay, got it. And I actually really like that because then you're not doing anything. Or if you're, if you have it like if you're using Unreal or Moto, you could tie it directly. You can hook up Substance directly like one to one. So you should just save your file and then go to Engine and and see that. Okay. I understand that. So if you want to export, then just go into the map itself. So you select it, and then just it's easier to just do it within that little interface. I I like that um, because sometimes when I'm working, yeah, I'm tuning a specific channel. Maybe I'm tuning the height and the normal, and I don't want to wait on the export of the other maps. Right. Or maybe I'm just working the color, and I don't want to wait on the height and the normal. Mm -hmm. Got it. That Another thing, sense. I you know I can't believe I forgot to mention this until now is there's tiling in here. So if I change my mesh to this plain high res. Oh, nice. Okay, there you go. So this is a great way to- Yeah, I can't believe I didn't even think of that. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, man, this oh, is amazing. Man. Thank you. Yeah, so like you could set it to, you know, however many times, uh, one, right? So we're seeing it one to one, or you could do two. So you can kind of see like the islands. Mm -hmm. And one thing to keep in mind too, like just to kind of go back to talking about Shadow of War is obviously you want to try to get the most out of, it's always like a, it's a real balancing act because you want to get the most information into one tiling texture, but you don't want it to be like, quote unquote, like a hero texture where it can't tile. Yeah. Um, but what I, where I'm going with that is there's oftentimes going to be blends that are going to break this up. So maybe you have this really rough, you know, like if I take this back down to one, maybe this really rough dirt, and then you might blend into a more flat one. Right. That's great. All right. And then uh, do you, it seems like maybe reducing the normal might be important as you tile this. Well, or, or do you know? It's something to consider. I oh, think, yeah. no, I think that's a fair question. I actually like, yeah, because, yeah, like on, like on, like if we could think again back to the Shadow War, and I'm talking about that path texture that we had. Yeah. The normal map wasn't like, well, the whole texture, there wasn't really much going on, but the normal map, what I did set lower. Got it. Just yeah. so it wasn't like contrasting. That's amazing. And then, uh, yeah, this is amazing. So, and Courtney, I was thinking of you, by the way, here. Do I still have Courtney in here? Uh, because you're going to have that ground that you got to start thinking about. So hopefully this was helpful. So um, we've got a few minutes left. Why don't we jump into some questions, guys? One person, if you don't mind, I'll take this Please. one. I can see yes. it. They asked if I make larger detail for the height map and finer detail for the normal. I'm really happy that this question was posed, question. and I forgot to mention it earlier. I don't split things out. I try to keep it like whatever is in the height map from the macro to the micro in there. Uh, I, I, don't, um, I don't split them out. I can just um, show this real quick. Mm -hmm. So I'll just grab like a fractal sum base. And this just is good for, you know, some fine noise. And I'll just set this to overlay, but I'll do really low opacity. And then I'll hold shift. And it's almost like it doesn't even show up. 
<laughs> it's like maybe too low. Yeah, there it is. So I definitely uh, keep, there we go. So I, de I definitely work in the chain all the way down. Uh, I, and honestly, like that's just more work for you. Like if you split them out, that's just, man, you don't want to be doing that. That's a lot of extra, extra maintenance. Great. Okay. And uh, Caleb's asking how much of your materials are procedural versus made shapes? Meaning like, am I bringing elements in from maybe ZBrush or modeling? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I, uh, I try to do everything in substance. I, and I'm not saying that you have to, I just like that. Um, I like the challenge and I like the reusability in production. Now he's also uh, mentioning the polygon nodes. Oh yeah. What about them? If you use those, uh, but those are a form of procedural. If I, if I remember, if I understand correctly, but yeah, I definitely use the polygon nodes. Uh, in fact, when I make a rock, this is how I start. Sweet. So yeah. Okay. All right. Isaac, how do you know when it is, when is better to mix both ZBrush and substance designer to create materials? Oh man, I think you should, you like whatever, whatever you feel like is best. Uh, I, I think at any, any point. Um, yeah. All right. I, I know some really talented artists that work a lot in ZBrush and then they just finish stuff in substance using, you know, like they, they'll use the available nodes to maybe add fine noise and then they'll finish their albedo and roughness in there or something like that. Mm. Uh, and uh, Johannes is asking, uh, do you handle level blockouts or someone else's job? And I think you already said that was someone else's job, right? Yeah, in the past I have, but um, yeah, like it is typically someone else's job and and sometimes, uh, most most of the time, it's a designer that blocks it out, and then an artist will do maybe a, a, a quick refinement on that block out. Mm -hmm. Yep. Got it. Okay, and then, uh, oh, Caleb's got another question. So uh, this is an interesting one. How does environment art blend into technical art, or, yeah, technical art, particularly in these games that you work with? Oh, man. I interface a lot with tech artists. Um, you want to be friends with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> They are, man, I, I interface with them a lot, actually. Um, they'll, they're great at like, man, they're great at like helping you make tools, but they're also, they're there to make sure that the game runs. And so you want to be uh, friendly with them when they come to you and say, hey, we need to talk about this. Um, because from their perspective, it's about, the, the maintenance of the game running, mm -hmm. right? They're not there to be like, you know, I hate artists. I don't want you to make stuff look good. <laughs> you know, like they're if they're coming to you to talk to you about something, uh, it's because some maybe you, you've uh, accidentally hooked up the wrong shader or just something is too expensive and they know of a way that, you know, to help you reduce it or they just want to have a discussion about that. Got it. Great. And then there was one more question. Ah, okay. So one of the things that we kind of uh, we really highlight at the boot camp is this idea that uh, it's the idea of being of hireableness what makes somebody oh, yeah. hireable and you know i'm working on the assumption that say traditional box education you know the big schools um really just throw knowledge at you and you, the idea just being you know just fill you up with knowledge but at the boot camp we want to compress time we want to hack it we want to make it as as fast as possible but make sure you're not 
you're not skimping, right? Like we had um, Nalima. Actually, Nalima, I haven't told you this. Are you still online? Uh, you were rated a mid-level character artist position uh, candidate by ArenaNet, uh, by Alejandro. Mid-level, you skipped uh, junior and you skipped entry, you skipped the whole thing. He just said, uh, you're, she's a mid-level candidate. And they would, seriously, they would seriously consider you for a job. So the goal is, is to do exactly like that, what we had happen with Nalima, which is just to you know, bypass all the, the fuzzy stuff, get straight to the hard stuff that makes somebody hireable. So what is it in your mind that makes somebody hireable for, um, for your job? I know that when I answer this, I'm going to think about it two hours later and go, I wish I said that. <laughs> Fair so, enough. <laughs> but um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is you really want to present your work well. I know there's some guys that, uh, on the character team that at Insomniac that um, like Gavin and, and, and Xavier they, and, and Dustin, they, they really talk about like that specific thing, mm -hmm. right? Like don't have a website, just have an art station. Yeah. Like make it easy. Like don't, if you're already established, it's kind of fine. But when you're trying to get in, like don't, you don't want to add any negative anything to an employer like reviewing your art because like they might go, oh, if they make this web design decision, like what else, what other decisions are they going to, I've heard a lot of different stuff. Mm. So just, just straight, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like sometimes it's weird and then sometimes it's valid, but I just say straight up, yeah, you know, use an art, art station template and it's, it's super clean. It's easy. And I think, uh, you know, presenting your work really well, you know, use Marmoset. And I think a, a lot of stuff, like I know I'm an environment artist and this talk is about environment art, but I want to make sure to say like, don't just show a, a proper character as a high poly only. Game art is a lot more than that. Game art is about, you know, game res meshes, game res textures, and making something look good with all of those things working well together. Uh, I, want, I want to try to get a feel of your personality Right. So like if you're making a cool prop, like uh, maybe you're making a like a missile launcher and, and you're you're picking something that's real and it's like, you know, military grade and you downloaded the blueprints. But maybe you take it a step further and like you add some stickers or maybe, you know, what a soldier might scribble on something. I want to see that you at any turn are trying to tell a story, trying to give something personality. Those are like the things that come to mind right away when you ask that question. Got it. Great. Okay, and Brian sent us his um, the thing he was showing. Oh, do I scroll up in the chat log here? Yeah, it should be right there. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, sure. What about it? So, let's jump back to his question. You have some damage yeah. on the trim above the stone blocks. Non-tiling non oh. damage is something I'm having trouble with. Did you use masks to isolate the damaged part? Yeah, so a lot of the stuff here, we, we used uh, blends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we had masks, and we also, um, in some cases, didn't have a mask, and just on this specific piece of mesh, maybe they applied a different texture. But more often than not for this project, it was it was a mask. Great. That and, and Yeah, Brian says. That's, that's something that I would love to see if I'm looking at somebody's uh, art. If they can show me blends, is, it's great. Okay, and by blends, where are we blending? Like, are we blending in designer, in uh, substance, in? I'm, 
I'm thinking about like on a on a game asset. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like if if somebody were to show me like let's take a like if somebody sculpted a really cool rock in ZBrush and then they had maybe two or three rock textures that they're blending on that mesh. Right. So maybe you've got chunky rock, you've got flat rock, and then you've got moss. So I want to see how all those mix together. Okay, great. That's just one one example. Okay, so a couple of the triggers that are really important for you in terms of getting of understanding that somebody's hireable. Number one, you want to be you want to make sure that they're thinking about the complexity, the layers, not just one thing, right? Yeah, I want to. I want to. I'm really trying to stress storytelling here. Yeah, yeah. And like it's thinking about it in, here. In, in term of like in terms of gameplay, mm -hmm. right? Like I want, I want it to feel like. I can't think of any other way to say it other than I want to go play in there right now. Yeah. I want to jump into that level. That's fucking cool. You know, like I want to have that reaction. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. And what is it that you think um, people really need uh, to kind of communicate that? Do they need props and parts and pieces and models? Um, do they? Yeah, need I would say like, yeah, like you'd want to have a good solid block out of your area and then you'd want to have set dressing props so maybe you have like i don't know if you're building like a basement mm -hmm. so you got your solid block out and you got your pipes running through the ceiling and then i'm just thinking about maybe if it's a residential thing maybe there's a washer dryer down there and maybe there's like maybe when somebody's doing laundry they're down there for a while and they got their dog bed because their dog likes to come down there with them and hang out while the laundry's going on you know i don't know yeah but like i i like those kind of things are like I build a narrative from that without seeing a character or a dog. I'm just like, oh, that's a lived-in area. You know, somebody goes downstairs to do their laundry here, and they're down there for a while, and they love their dog. Great. That's awesome. Somebody asked me about a difficult texture. Ah, Sari, thank I you. See. Yeah, which was the difficult texture you made and what you learned from it? Yeah, I think I think I don't want to talk about a specific one, but rather a type. I think what's really forced me to grow and that I learned a lot from was making organic textures. So whether it's mud or if it's mm. a cliff wall or some sort of stone wall with mortar, I learned the most from those. And I think the reason is, is like when you have painted metal, it's like easy to be like, oh, this is grungy. Right. You know, um, obviously you want to take care to make a good painted metal, but it's hard to fool people when it comes to nature, right? Like they know what looks good. So I think that um, that's a, that's a big thing for me cool. is doing nature stuff and it forced me to grow. All right. Thanks, Josh. That was amazing, my friend. Thank you so much for, um, for kind of opening up your process and, and, um, and what you do. And uh, if we could leave with just one thing, what, what do you, what, I, I don't want to ask what kind of advice you would get, but what's one or two things that you think uh, aspiring character or environment artists should kind of focus on? Is that software or is it um, a particular kind of uh, action that they should do? Yeah, let me let me talk about it this way. Mm -hmm. So obviously, anybody can learn a tool, and you, you know, at varying stages, you'll be at a at a certain skill level or knowledge level about it, and yeah. your process will refine. But what you can't learn is like how to, you know, be like somebody you want to work with. Be somebody that a team will want to work with, right? Like, you know, if you're online, man, I can't, <laughs> people, people see a lot of stuff online and people are watching. So exercise tact. I think one thing for me is when I'm 
looking at 10,000 hours, I can't tell you, man, some of the stuff I've seen on there is like, hmm, that is not good. <laughs> but um, you want to like curate a good web presence, right? Mm -hmm. And like be uh, like a good, I want to say like a good ambassador, like be able to give good critique to your peers. You could not have a job, but you could have a pretty solid portfolio. And if I see you on PolyCount or 10,000 hours and you're pretty consistent at like, giving thoughtful and helpful feedback, that means a lot to me. Cause I'm going to say, Oh, that's how you're going to be. If we hire you. Mm, totally. That's great advice. Thank you. I, th I think it's like the soft skills. Those are, those are things that are um, like, they're immensely underrated. Yeah. And I know that some people are like timid online and I get that. But one thing that, man, when I was in school, I would just cold email people. Like they didn't know me, I didn't know them. And this was before like, you know, Facebook was really taken off and everybody had their web presence and you could go on Twitch and type to somebody streaming. Like you should just reach out to people and don't get discouraged if they don't respond. Cause sometimes you never know what's going on in their life, but you reach out to people, develop relationships, you know, be humble and be open to critique, but don't be shy. Awesome. That's great. All right, Josh, thank you so much. And uh, for those of you who are out there watching, thank you guys for joining in here live and for being in the studio. And you know where to find Josh, art or gumroad.com, art of Josh Lynch. And he's also got his art station out. So yeah, thank you, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. And thanks for uh, having me. It's it's honestly a real honor to be here. Like I really respect what you guys are doing. And, and thank you for the great questions to the audience. Awesome. All right, my friend. Take care. See ya. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.